I love that the trend in clothing now is about like unbothered luxury. Well, that is why you need to check out Quince. It is a game changer. I now have a wardrobe of luxury essentials that a transition from one occasion to the next. I look like a classy lady and I stay on budget. There are 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50. Are you kidding me? Also, I love their organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops that look good on everybody. And now they have timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. I love their cashmere. It is so soft and the quality is amazing. The gray one that I've had for years still looks brand new, but I've added different colors to them this season because who doesn't love fabulous cashmere? Also, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash juicy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash juicy to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash juicy. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Heather McDonald has got the juices scoop. When you're on the road, when you're on the go, Juicy Scoop is the show to know. She talks Hollywood tales, her real life Mr. Sacred Serial Data and Serial Sister. You'll be addicted and addicted fast to the number one tabloid real life podcast. Listen in, listen up. Heather McDonald, Juicy Scoop. Hello and welcome to Juicy Scoop. Well, it's almost here. I'm coming to the East Coast for the final leg of my live Juicy Scoop tour. I will be bringing the hilarious Chris Frangiola with me. We are going first this Thursday, November 17th, to Will the Wilbur Theater, world-famous Wilbur Theater in Boston. It is almost sold out, but you can still get a couple tickets, and I really suggest you go because we save the juiciest and the funniest stuff for the live shows because we say it. And then it's gone. It's not to be repeated. It's not to be recorded. It's not so you can listen to it again. You have to be in the theater to hear it. And that's why they're so juicy and so good and why they're selling so well. But there's still a few tickets left. And then Friday the 18th, we'll be in Philadelphia. And Saturday, we have two shows, an early and a later show at the Kennedy Center in D.C. Everything is at heathermcdonald.net. Get those tickets. Speaking of live shows, last week... I talked about a reel that I saw on Whitney Cummings' Instagram, and I discussed what I thought 
she was saying, turns out she was joking. She was talking about the city of Oxnard. It was all a joke. She did a video on her on her social media um, a couple days after saying that she was, in fact, joking. And she let me know that she was joking. And now I'm letting you know she was joking. So if you live in Oxnard, it was a joke. And you can go see her perform there. Okay, you guys, let's get into the Tom Girardi juicy scoop that's happening. There's so much going on with this case. It's a lot to cover. I'm going to just get you guys up to date because people are asking me to cover this. What I think is so interesting is, okay, first, there's two, there's two things that happen. First of all, the CFO, Chief Financial Officer of Tom Girardi's law firm, has been arrested for embezzling $10 million, some of which paid for prostitutes and mansions in L.A., and the Caribbean, the prosecutor's uh, claim. His name's Christopher Kamen. He's 49. He was arrested last week coming off a plane from the Bahamas. He is accused of running a side fraud scheme within Tom Girardi's law firm. He's accused of, um, he's, Girardi, of course, is married to the Real Housewife star Erica Jane. We all know that. And he has obviously been accused of stealing client settlement money. And But Girardi has not been arrested. He's still li- living in a legal conservatorship. He claims to have Alzheimer's, and that really, in my opinion, appears to be true. Prosecutors say that Cameron, however, stole from the firm for the 20 years that he worked there and had a front row seat to the wider theft. So they're saying he knew what was going on. He was part of it. He, because he was chief financial officer, he then knew that $10 million settlement came in here. We're only going to give $1 million to the victims. We're going to spend the rest of the money running our lives, giving it to Tom, and I'm going to take some, and I'm going to suppo- allegedly get a prostitute. I'm going to buy a mansion for cash. And then the victim is like, hi, um, when do I get the rest of my $9 million? And then they didn't have the means to try to get that money from Tom Girardi. And it went on and on and on like a Ponzi scheme, taking it from people, spending it on others, putting out a a persona. And, you know, and the the board let this happen. The California board knew of all these complaints and they let it happen. So they're very guilty. And I think what we're starting to really see here is the the fact that I think Erica is going to have a really good case in what she's been saying the whole time and saying, like, I did not know what was going on. I did not work there. I did not work there. I was a trophy wife that stood by my man and went to the events I was invited to and got to be Erica Jane and do my thing and shop when I wanted with the credit card that he gave me. And no, I didn't know each case and where it was going. And I certainly didn't know that the CFO was also taking money. Now, the other interesting thing that has come out Erica did post about this. She said this shit gets crazier and crazier after hearing about the CFO's arrest. He um, he worked for the firm, they said, and lived beyond his $350,000 year salary. So that's really the thing. If you make three fifty dollars a year and you're buying mansions and, you know, go and have a place in the Bahamas and all this stuff, it's you're like, well, where did you get those? Where did you get that couple million to you know, put an all-cash offer on some place. Um, during his initial court appearance, prosecutors slammed, um, slammed, saying that he was greedy 
And this is not a Robin Hood type theft, they said. This is purely greed and a lavish lifestyle. So it wasn't like he was taking the money um, from Tom Girardi and going, oh, and by the way, I'm going to run over to this victim's house and give it to them. No, he was completely part of it, not just, you know, complacent and not caring about it. No, he was actually doing his own his own side scam. Um, prosecutors say they have reason to believe that Kamen would flee to the Bahamas if given bail, and that is why he's in bars, behind bars. Now, the other thing that happened is there's a whole nother case that has been brought. The defendants are the Council Financial Services, the California Attorney Lending. These are the lending, the legal lenders that con- consecutively lent money to Tom to have him run this fraudulent, awful criminal legal situation where he wouldn't give his victims the money that they were entitled to. And by them, by the lenders knowing, by the lenders, they're saying the lenders knew this. And also the lenders were first in line to get any money back because they're like, we lent this money to Tom Girardi, so we should be the first ones to get all the money back. And they believe they're part of it. They said that Joseph D. DiNardo is believed to be one of the owners of both the companies, the legal lending company. The suit asserts that the litigation, the litigation funders were implied partners, in fact, with Girardi, meaning they were all part of it together. And they owed a fiduciary duty to the law firm's clients to let them know what was going on with their funds when they weren't getting them. So they're in a lot of trouble. The partnership began as early as 2005 between the legal lenders and Girardi and Keith law firm until the filing of the Girardi Keith bankruptcy in December of 2020, the suit said. When other litigation funders sued Girardi and Keith for defaulted loans, Donardi personally stepped in and took control of the negotiations regarding the other litigation lenders, which led the various work to various workout arrangements. The suit said Donardi arranged a full payoff to one of the other lenders, even though California attorney lending held a prioritary lien. So I know this is really confusing. You're like, Heather, I don't understand. What they're saying is the legal lenders that helped fund uh, Tom Girardi's law firm were actually, they believe, completely aware of what was going on, was part of it, and benefiting from it. Now, this is really important because this all comes back to the thing that we care most about. The one thing I said in the Hulu doc is we all want to know, did Erica know? I didn't know then. I feel more confident now that I don't think she knew. I really don't think she understood it. I don't think, I think there is, there is this spousal law where like, almost like uh, Bernie Madoff's wife, she was not held responsible in that Ponzi scheme. And I think that my prediction is that Erica will not be found responsible either. And I think part of the reason why she was adamant about the earrings, which became such a big part of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, is I don't think she handled it right on camera. I think if I was her good friend, I think I could have coached her better to explain it. And what I would have said is, Erica, when the earrings come up, first of all, don't wear them on the show. 
okay? Don't wear them on the show. But when the ear- earrings come up, you should say, which is what it is, the reason she didn't get back the earrings is because the earrings were purchased um, so many years back that does not affect a bankruptcy law. So if she was to give the earrings back just out of the goodness of her heart, okay, she could have done that. That might have been good for PR. But the reason they were saying not to is because her attorneys were like, this bankruptcy law is not entitled, because of bankruptcy law, they're not entitled to those earrings because they were purchased so far back. It's not part, it would have, it would have changed legal precedence, like it would have changed law. So the other part of it is she's been married to this guy for 20 years. She's 50 years old. Yes, she's on a TV show. But if these earrings for, for valued at $1.4 million was a home that she owned, that maybe it was both of their homes, and then after they sold it, passed it in-house, she was living in that home. And this was the only asset that she had from 20 years of living with Tom Girardi, in which he wasn't very nice to her. We saw it on the TV. And he cheated on her. We have proof of that. So... They had a transactional marriage where they stayed together. Maybe they were friends. Maybe it was mother, daughter, father, <laughs> father, daughter. I don't know what the fuck it was at the end. But it clearly wasn't like a romantic, giving, loving relationship. But she stayed in it because that was the inra- arrangement and that was the persona. And a lot of people don't get divorced that are in shitty marriages. It's a big pain in the ass, especially when you're, like she said to Andy, um, Andy, uh, I'm married to a very powerful attorney. I don't, you know, a prenup would have done me no good anyway. Like she knew her hands were tied. And like looking back at everything, I kind of see where she's coming from more. And I'm just saying if the earrings were a home, I don't think the people around her on the cast members and the people at home would see it as as such like a a vanity move because it's like these big diamond earrings. But really, they're her only asset. And then when Kathy Hilton's like, what about that Cartier ring? And all the, and she's like, really? Again, I think if she was just to give everything and just be like a, you know, a pauper walk or whatever you call it, like, like literally have nothing and be wearing sweats and like, here's my earrings, here's all this, I feel so bad. I think she does feel bad, but at the same time, she got screwed too in many ways. Like she didn't she didn't expect after 20 years of marriage to not have anything. She didn't know that like, oh, I'm going to spend all this money. Oh, let's not. Yes. Oh, can I have that money from the burn victim? Can, oh, thanks, Tom. Let me take this and go. So I think this just really says what she was trying to convey to us through the TV which I think was challenging for her. I think it was challenging for her personality because she's not a warm and snuggly person. I think it's challenging because of the persona that she has presented all these years. And I think it was challenging because she had to follow her lawyers. And so I think it's been really interesting when it's gonna see, what we're going to see here. And I just, um, I think I said it before, like, I don't know, maybe they'll, maybe she'll actually join um some of the other people that felt they were screwed and maybe there'll be sympathy on both sides and maybe they can all come together and realize it's the people at the top. You know, there's nothing we can get from Tom and he can't really even speak for himself at this point. He's there. Many witnesses say he's been deteriorating for years. And so I do believe he's not faking this Alzheimer's things, but you know, I just think a lot of it was like, it made it, 
really juicy and it made it like a juicier story. But I think she was really more like Bernie Madoff's wife. And if you look into that case, she now she wasn't on the housewives. She went away, but they let her keep like two million dollars. She lived with one of her sons. She led a simpler life, but she was not like stripped of every piece of jewelry or everything because she was not an active participant in the deception of the Ponzi scheme. And I don't, I personally don't believe that Erica was. And if that's going to make you freak out, fine. We'll wait and see. I think it's going to make for a super juicy um, season because I definitely think she'll be coming back, Erica. And um, my prediction is Real Houses of Beverly Hills, which I've heard has still not started to film again. Um I have heard from a very good source that Kyle and Lisa are not talking. Someone I know was at a birthday party with them, and they were never talking to each other while at this event, though they were both there with their husbands. So I think um, I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know what's going to happen with Kathy. Um, since, you know, Farrah, her daughter, uh, Kyle's daughter, who I'm going to talk a little bit more about at the end of the show because I've got a star from buying Beverly Hills on the show, and that was a fun interview. But she has since said, I now want a smaller affair, which could be that she's mature, could be that she's done with all the hoopla of being a, a TV personality herself, or it could be like, this is too much stress for my mom and my aunt and my cousins and everything. I really hope Kathy... And Kyle can come together and that they can come back on the show. But my prediction, it's not something I wish for, but my prediction is that Lisa Renner will take a Dorinda pause, will come back, and it will include Erica and Kathy and the rest of the girls. This is what I... Lisa, you know I still love your lipstick. I'm just saying, might be good, might be good for you too. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Aaron Carter, as we know, passed away after many years of struggling with drugs and alcohol and, you know, prescription drugs. And I still don't know that we know exactly what was in his system, but some interesting things um, that came about. So he was working, according to page six with an author to write his book. And now there's some controversy where the release date um, of this controversial memoir, which was uh, which he tried to shut down. So he was working on it according to the author, and then he tried to shut it down. So he was spilling all his, his scoop and his life to a professional author that he was co-writing it with. And then he was like, no, I don't want this out there. And then he passed. So now we're in this kind of like precarious position between the publisher, the author who spent all this time writing it, and a, a man who is now deceased. And when someone is deceased, I'm just, and I'm not 100% sure, but what's, what is interesting about when someone dies, like for example, Michael Jackson, people can talk about him and not get the legal ramifications of defamation. That's my understanding. So... There's a good chance that the guy that was working on this will end up sharing what was told to him and the the book that he has already done. I'm not really sure. But according to page six, what they have heard that was the juicy stuff was that um, 
that Aaron Carter did spend the night at Michael Jackson's house when he was younger and woke up with Michael Jackson at the edge of his bed wearing a pair of tidy whities Now, what's also interesting about this is that there is video of Aaron Carter vehemently defending Michael Jackson, saying, I hung out with Michael Jackson. Nothing ever happened. This is bullshit. He's the nicest guy I know, which is weird. There is also a video of Aaron Carter talking to his mother in which he filmed the conversation and he is talking to his mother, which he had shared shared throughout their reality show and everything, that the mother and father were struggling financially. They got Nick Carter into, which one was he in? He, he Was he in sync? No. no. He was Backstreet Boys. Anyway, it was a Lou Pearlman boy group. We're going to look it up. I know you guys were like, fucking getting so mad at me. Listen, there's three groups it could be. NSYNC, Backstreet. Backstreet, it was Backstreet Boys. Okay. Got him in Backstreet Boys. As you know, Lou Pearlman, uh, Lance Bass did a great documentary about Lou Pearlman. Lou Pearlman is also deceased. Um, he ended up in prison for tax evasion, but he not only screwed over these kids financially, but there was a lot of... Um, claims that he also was a sexual predator to these young boys. So in that, in this interview, uh, that this conversation that he has with his mom that he put on social media that people then collected, and there's a TikTok that I saw about it, and it's truly, clearly him talking to his mom. And his mom is saying, he goes, Mom, um, Nick, my older brother, didn't want me to work with Lou Pearlman because Nick who knew who he was. Now, I don't know if Nick ever has said that he, in fact, was a victim of Lou Perlman's. But in, th in this th conversation, he was like, and the mom is like, I know. And I thought that was crazy. That was because your brother Nick was jealous of you. He didn't want you to have the same success as you. And Aaron's like, no, he was protecting me. And you were the predator that was like, if you had any inkling that there was a man in your child's life with your older child that might have been anything but completely, you know, an upstanding citizen person, the fact that you would even want to, like, roll the dice and go, well, you know, we don't know if it's true. I mean, like, the moms who were part of Leaving Neverland of Michael Jackson, do you imagine if they had another son and was told this by their child at the time and then was like, well, I don't know if I believe you, but now listen, there are mothers that are very guilty of turning a blind eye to abuse when it's a dad or a stepdad or a boyfriend. So, And it's so devastating to the kids because it really makes them feel completely unimportant. And clearly, I don't, I don't know. We don't know. Um, there's never been anything complete fact in which Aaron Carter says that he suffered any kind of um, child abuse or trauma or whatever. Um, but I definitely think he did suffer trauma. I think that's that's the thing that people then go to oftentimes find themselves addicted because it's like, oh my God, I finally feel normal. And I didn't feel normal because of these awful things. Not every time, but it is definitely a correlation. I love that the trend in clothing now is about like unbothered luxury. Well, that is why you need to check out Quince. 
It is a game changer. I now have a wardrobe of luxury essentials that a transition from one occasion to the next. I look like a classy lady and I stay on budget. There are 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50. Are you kidding me? Also, I love their organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops that look good on everybody. And now they have timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. I love their cashmere. It is so soft and the quality is amazing. The gray one that I've had for years still looks brand new, but I've added different colors to them this season because who doesn't love fabulous cashmere? Also, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash juicy for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash juicy to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash juicy. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So the other thing that this book claims is that, um, which is kind of gross that it's out there, but whatever, that he took uh, Hillary Duff's virginity. We know that they were a couple. We know that they're very much in love. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to say the age or whatever. You can look it up on page six. I just thought those are the kind of things. So she doesn't want the book out. She thinks it's gross and that it's so insensitive because he just passed. But... I find it all very interesting, and hopefully we do know more. Um, and you know, and if these powerful players did, did were abusive Hollywood types that took advantage of kids, I think it's really important that we know. And I'm just curious legally what this writer can share. So that's my question about it. Um, Ramona Singer, you guys. I mean, I don't know. This is a sad day for me because she's my favorite person to impersonate. But she has made a statement and exclusively to Page Six, her favorite person on earth. And she said, um, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. I'm done. I'm done with the show. I'm not for now. For now. I'm done for now. I'm not going to be on um, the show right now. I just need a little break. I need to just like, you know, um, even though I look the youngest and I'm the most popular, apparently, you know, I need to take a little break. Um, so she is not, we know that she's not on the young one, obviously the whole new cast, but according to page six and according to all the rumors, allegedly she's definitely not part of the legacy. Um, the legacy 
according to the Reality Rundown and Page Six, is rumored to be Jill Zarin, Luann Deceps, Dorinda, Sonia, and Kelly Ben-Simone. And um, I think that's a great cast. I think that could be really fun. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that none of these women have podcasts. Then someone's like, no, Dorinda has a serious radio show. I'm like, well, I don't know if she does, but no one's talking about it. And she's not talking about housewives. And whatever she's talking about, it's probably cooking or something, and no one cares. So um, I'm just saying it's going to be interesting as every housewife has their own podcast. And I understand why they do. They used to have to do – they used to do blogs that then they would go back and said, you said in your blog this – Now we're going to have reunions where they're going to say, you said on your podcast this, and you said, just like they would maybe throw up a tweet or an Instagram post, all of that's going to play into, you know, when they get together at the reunion. But I think for the Bravo people, it's a little bit like, wow, it's a little bit magic revealed. It's a little bit too much, you know, behind the curtain of like what is going on. And I think it's nice that these women, we don't know every single opinion they have about every single thing, about every single episode, because we're going to be able to kind of see that as they get together and old wounds and history come up. But we get to watch it, not just them rewatching an episode and talking about it. I think this is going to be really great. And I'm very excited if it is, in fact, true. So good for them. Um, Sister wives, you guys. Oh, my God. The episode last night was some of the best TV I've ever seen in my life because it's so fucking real. It's so juicy. I mean, okay. As you guys know, we've got Cody and the four wives. And for the first half of the episode or more, They're sitting out on Christine's porch and Christine is saying, my house is in in escrow and we are are under contract. Other states say under contract. We say escrow here in California. And um, I'm leaving in a week, leaving the family, taking my youngest daughter, going where my other kids and grandkids are in Utah. And I'm fucking out of here. And she's being, she's so nice. And she has such like a calming kindness about her. Then there's Cody here and then Mary there. And Robin, the newest wife, Mary's the oldest wife, Robin's the newest wife, and Janelle, who is Christine's best friend. Janelle's number two, Christine is three, and and Robin is four. And it is just amazing. And someone sent me a photo of Cody's hair where it, and I can't share it because it has, I don't know where it comes from. But he's leaning down, and there's an entire bald spot right here. And then there's, like, trundles of curls and behind. I talked about it before. So now as I'm watching it, that's all I'm looking for. Because his trundles of hair is is pushed back by his cheesy sunglasses. And I'm like, is there a bald spot? Because I think it could be a manufactured photo, and maybe it's not true. So he's so furious. And basically he's saying, um, he says in his confessionals, I'm not seeing Truly, my daughter with Christine, not because I don't want to see Truly, just because I can't stand Christine. Okay, well, that's a great way to be as a dad. Uh, That's called co-parenting. That's called being a father. I mean, and she's just like, and he goes, I don't, I mean, I don't get it. You know, um, you're just being selfish. 
Like, so what that you're, he basically was saying, so what that you're unhappy because you're, the only thing you're, you're saying you're unhappy with is me, but you agreed to be part of this family forever. So it shouldn't be about me, the man, it should be about the family. And by you making about me, the man, Cody, you're selfish, you're selfish, which is always what has fascinated me about the polygamous um, religion, religion or whatever people follow in a, in a sister wife situation is that if you complain as a woman, you're selfish. Why are you making it about yourself? It's not about you. And she's like, well, you said, Cody, that the marriages are the spokes within the wheel of, uh, of a wheel. And if the spoke is broken, like it's, it's not going to last forever. Eventually, like it's going to make the whatever you get it. So, I, I just he he's just like so what that we weren't in love. Like I I tried to love you, you didn't love me that much either. So yeah, so what that we weren't in love. You agreed to stick it out for the family, and she's like, I think I did a lot for the family. I think I did really a lot, Cody. I did a lot for the family. Um, and Janelle is like, yeah, she raised my kids. Like, she raised all the kids together. She was always cooking. She was always, and he's like, and then he goes, and then Robin's like crying. And Robin goes, I just want to know, like, I understand your, you know, your relationship with Cody is done. But what about myself and my kids? Like, do you ever want to see us and hang out? Or like, you want to end that too? Or you need a break? And she's like, um, I definitely want to see you guys at like a family reunion, but um, I only am going to be talking to the adult members of the family that I feel close to, which is Janelle. And so Mary and Robin are like, and Cody's just like, and then Cody's like, you know, you know, tell, no, Robin, tell it like it is. You tried and she treated you like dirt from the very beginning. She never liked you. And Christine's just kind of like, um... I, I thought I was trying. I never went out of my way to be mean. Sorry that you feel that way. Like, I mean, so much of it has to do with COVID. Like, I think that they were all, I think he was really only sleeping with Robin and really only in love with Robin. And the rest of the women were hanging on and they were staying in it because he was still such a great dad that would come around and their kids loved seeing them. So like a lot of women that are even in a monogamous marriage, don't get along with their husband, but they stay for the kids. And then once COVID happened and he was one of those people that was just like absolutely can't be around anybody, the strictest of the COVID rules, except for my pod, which is Robin and her kids. I can't see any of my other kids. I can't see any of my other wives. I'm not going to sleep in my other wives' beds because then they go to the grocery store so they could bring COVID home to me. That is where she was just like, then what's the point? Like if you're not going to be a good dad, there's no point in having you in my life. Like, forget it. Like I've, I've given up being in love, having someone love me. I have been that person. That's like, well, my heart and my thing doesn't matter. But then she was like, but once you started like neglecting my kids, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? So everyone is obviously on Christine's side. Now the biggest picture is the TV show. Where does the TV show go? And that is where it's really coming up and really frustrating Cody because he is like, what now? Robin knows the show is not as good. And I think they also care about the whole family and everything. And it's not, and she was hoping that she'd be part of a sister wife. 
Cody wanted the whole family to live together on Cody Pass. Cody Pass is this land that they bought that we've heard about for three years that they can't build on because they owe money on it. And they all thought they were going to have this thing on Cody Pass and build one big house. And he had plans drawn up. And he's like, you can each have your own kitchen. And it's one big, huge thing. And Christine, from the very start, was like, no, I don't want to live under one big roof. And let's each have our own houses at Coyote Pass. But eventually she decided, I'm going to cut my losses and leave. And I don't care about the show. I don't need to make an income from you anymore. Goodbye. But with her leaving, where does the show go? Now, if they can get another wife, which is what I think Mary's trying to do. She's having a women empowerment uh, seminar at her uh Air, her Airbnb that she had with her mother who since passed, but now her best friend who she adores is there. Um, I think maybe that could be something. Janelle got fucked over more than anybody. Mary's living in a nice house all by herself. Janelle and her daughter with Cody are living in a trailer on the land with no electricity or heat. And they have to move the trailer every four months to like a different lot. And it gets real freaking cold in the winter on Coyote Pass. And she's like, yeah, I really regret this. But I wanted to live here because I thought this is the only way I could get move progress on actually building a house here on Coyote Pass. But he's like, well, we can't build anything because we don't have the money because TLC obviously doesn't pay us anything uh, to get to build. And I'm not going to stay with you in this trailer. I've got a beautiful house with Robin. She reveals. This is the craziest part, you guys. And some of you, I don't even know the anger that might happen. So Janelle, from they each had their own house. And they each, like, owned their own house, right, in, in the uh, cul-de-sac of Las Vegas. Janelle took the profits of her house and gave it to Robin and Cody, to buy a house for Robin, and that's where they live, and only the two of them are on that um, that that property deed. Why Janelle has no- nothing but the land. Her only asset is the land that doesn't have electricity, doesn't have plans built, nothing, and she's living there in a trailer. Being the star of a reality show that I'm talking about for the last 12 years. I mean, honestly, the most screwed over person and like the nicest. Um, So I think she's done. I think everyone wants to just disband. But what are they going to live off of? They have to keep the show going. So if you're, again, I put it out there. If you think Cody's cute and you want to have sex with him. And share him with Robin. Mary is like, Mary doesn't give a shit. He's like, Mary can leave. Mary, um, so Mary's, their daughter now is Leon. Their daughter has become transitioned into being a man. A lot of the older kids, though, are barely featured on the show. And they don't really want to, probably because they got paid nothing. And they're like, what's the point? So they, so the whole show is very different now. I will I will be so bummed if the show ends. I it can't. I I don't mind if they if they hate each other and fight and sit on lawn chairs and talk for an hour. I find it fucking fascinating. But I think they need an, another wife. And then um and Mary needs to come out as a lesbian with her best friend. And um I think that would be great. 
And if Robin has a sister, like a real blood sister, because a lot of people in polygamous marriages bring their like real sister to marry Cody, that would really so. That's I'm trying to save the show, you guys, because I don't know what I'm gonna do when it ends. It's so frustrating, and so awful. Okay. Um, speaking of a guy that has a lot of kids, this came from Humans of New York. This guy. Um, he doesn't – he gives his sperm to lesbians and different women, and he's got 18 kids or something, and he just loves spreading his sperm, and he doesn't charge people, which some people, their sperm is really expensive or they want to buy the whole lot so other people can't have it. So he's got 18 kids running around, and he says eventually he wants to find a couple of the lesbians who he does have sex with to impregnate. Some is insemination, some is full sex with lesbians. He wants to find a couple to be his sister wives. Then we have Nick Cannon, who just had his 13th kid. Or I don't know if he's – there's 13 total, maybe a couple are pregnant. He just announced it, and he says that he pays a lot more than $3 million a year in child support for all these kids. I would think so too. I would think he would pay more. He announced that – he said, a beautiful day for beautiful Zeppelin Cannon to arrive. This was Saturday, November 12th. He did an Instagram post. He said, mommy, and then says her Instagram name, you make it all look so easy and effortless, but I am forever indebted to your tireless work of constant dedication, diligent effort, and selfless love that you give to our children and myself. Beautiful, that's the child's name, is privileged to have such a loving and spiritually inclined mother. Your resilient strength doesn't go unnoticed. I just, I think it's amazing. Um, I think it's a very nice thing to say. This woman has every right to bask in her three beautiful children with Nick Cannon. I just find it interesting that he is like, you make it look so effortless. How do you do it? When he has like six or seven other women that he has shared children with, that he's been there for the birth. So just, I mean, honestly, you can just cut and paste for the next one because there's another one who's pregnant too. Um, their kids, Golden, Powerful, Moroccan, Monroe, Rise. I mean, there's so many. I can't even get all the names. But um, this is hilarious. I don't know who did this. It was sent to me by 10 people. <laughs> so whoever did this hilarious meme... Um, <laughs> Let me know, and I'll make sure to let people know. They said, National Geographic determined what Americans will look like in 2050, and it's beautiful. And it is so funny. It's Nick Cannon's face on 12 different men and women of different ages and different hairstyles, and it's so freaking funny. But, yeah, so, you know, there's one, the guy who's a sperm donor. There's Cody, who has 18 kids. And then there's Nick Cannon, who's expecting his 13th. So... Um, Dave Chappelle was on SNL and people at first were concerned because, of course, he has uh, a lot of people in the LGBTQ community and trans community does not like previous material he's put out on his Netflix special about trans people. And I believe there is one SNL member who is identifies as non-binary. So they're like, what? Well, anyway, he came on and he did his monologue and I watched it and I thought it was hilarious and brilliant. And he's talking about what's going on in the world, which is Kanye and Kanye's anti-Semitic tweets. 
And I thought it was really it, – it's Dave Chappelle. It's what he says and does. And the the thing that he said that I thought – there were two couple things that he said that I thought were the most brilliant in it. Um, talking about Kanye and how he's like, hey, I normally respect Kanye and, and like come for him. But this was one time where I was like, mm, I'm going to sit this one out. He made a, a joke about how he did the tweet. He said what happened was Kanye was like, I'm feeling really tired, but before I go to bed, I'm going to write this tweet of where I'm going to go DEF CON on Jewish people. And he's like, and then, you know what he did? He went to sleep. And it's like, what were you thinking? And he said, um, so then he goes, you know, it's interesting because when it's a, a group of black guys, they call it a gang. When it's a group of Italian guys, they call it the mob. But when it's a group of Jewish guys, it's a coincidence and you never, and so he was, it was very interesting the way he talked about the whole society and how we're talking about it. And it is a dangerous subject, which made me afraid to talk about it really. Cause I, how can you even talk about it without someone being like, how dare you talk about it? But that's kind of what he examined. And I thought it was really great. And he said, you know, based on Kanye's perception, it's not crazy to think what he thought, but it's crazy to say it. And I thought that is the most, such a true statement for today in the digital world, in social media, and why comedians do, and me, save the stuff that we just want to say that we're not totally, totally sure that every single person would be okay with hearing it. You do it in a comedy club. You do it live. They take your phones. They put them aside. They don't in my show, but I know in his shows, they take your phone and um, and you can't have your phone while you're in there. Um, oh, no, you can't have your phone. They put it in a in a sack so that you have it so you can feel if it's vibrating, like in a case of an emergency, maybe you have a sitter. But then you have to go outside to have them open the sack so that then you can check your phone, which I think is such a great thing. Um, not every club has it. People at Dave Chappelle's level um, insist on it, and so and also it's when big comedians have that when they're working on a special, and they don't want the material that you may see on Netflix three months from now to be spoiled on a TikTok. So, but also it's let me see how this reacts. Maybe it's not that good. Maybe it's something I don't want it. Maybe it is too timely, and I don't want it in my Netflix thing. But I don't want it out there in the universe. But for the thousand people that came to pay to see this. It's for the moment. It's not to live on in infamy. It's for the moment. But when people tweet and do things like that, like a Kanye, it does live in infamy. And that is what I thought was so interesting and why people are so drawn to Dave Chappelle as just an artist of stand-up comedy. Anyway, it has gotten some backlash. People are not happy about what he said. They're attacking NBC for allowing it. But for the most part, I think it was really well received and really thought provoking. So you can check that out. Well, some scoop on Tom Brady and Giselle. Tom Brady, according to page six, said he wouldn't change a thing. He says that he has zero regrets about unretiring from the NFL despite the Tampa Bay Buccaneers poor start to the season and his divorce from Giselle. Good. I'm glad you have no regrets, Tom Brady. Because meanwhile, Giselle has been seen with a new dude. Um, she is back on the dating scene, Giselle, after the divorce. 
stepping out with this guy, Joaquim Valente, over the weekend. And who is he exactly? Well, the New York Post says that she was out in Costa Rica on a dinner date with this new guy, and he is a jiu-jitsu. How do you say that? Jiu-jitsu. Can I say that word? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Jiu-jitsu instructor for a dinner date in Costa Rica. And, okay, so this is so, so juicy. All I know is what I read to you guys, okay? But could it be that there was some relationship going on before we heard of their separation? Could is this guy like the karate instructor for the kid? <laughs> um, I know, uh, I've known some ladies that have gotten with their kids' uh, t-ball coach, or um, or heard about it, or a karate coach, or things like that. Um, and if she, I don't know. I find this super juicy and good for her. Good for her. Get your groove on. I saw that she also bought, I think, um, a new house, like very close to Tom Brady, and it's like $11 million or something. So that'll make the co-parenting good and easy. And good. I'm glad he doesn't give a shit. Like, oh, then oh, there was a really a commercial that um, was the two of them that I guess is not aging well, but it's Tom and Giselle, and it's about calling all their friends to get them to invest in crypto, which also didn't age well. And the first thing he says is he's like, um, hey, and they're like, he's like, no, I'm I'm not, I'm glad I didn't, or something about retirement. He makes some joke about going back and from retirement to going back to football and she's there and he's, it's part of their jokey part of the commercial. And so people are like this didn't age well for n- numerous reasons, but um Good. If you have no regrets, good. Go. Go find another wife. It's not like you're going to have any problem dating anyone else. So I'm glad. I'm glad they're broken up. Good for her. Go get your groove on. Now, this was juicy. Um, I'd heard about this um, episode of a show. This is Glennon Doyle. And it's somebody I don't really follow that I hear the name. And she, from what I understand, is she had very popular books about spirituality, and Oprah loved her. She was married. She was Christian, but she was like, I, I don't know. She was maybe conservative Christian, but in a, like a really spiritual, positive way that women loved. Anyway, she became huge. She, at a speaking engagement, ran into Abby Wambach. And they fell in love. And she, now, I don't know everything, so I might, I don't know if she was divorced before she fell in love with her. She fell in love with her. She was never with a woman prior. She fell in love with her. She was soccer. They fell in love. And now she is a remarried lesbian woman to her. And they have a podcast together along with her sister. Okay. And it's a very popular podcast. And it's about kindness and, you know, growth and like all that kind of good stuff, right? So I heard people talking about it that they did an episode. So I listened to it with Peter on the way down to the boat this weekend. And it was the episode that that never was. And they're like, come on. And they're like, okay, you guys, we're just going to talk about what just happened. 
We were going to have an interview with someone we were very excited to interview. We spent a lot, long time preparing for it. And the way we do it is their Zooms or however they do it, Zoom, I assume. She's like, we have several teams that work on this podcast, which always kills me because it's like, (laughs) just (laughs) Danny and I. And so they say, we've got our guest And our team works with that guest to make sure that all the tech stuff is working with them. And then we have our another team working on our tech stuff. I'm like, it's just a Zoom. I don't know what so much is involved. When I do a Zoom, they send it and then Annie presses the click button and then she walks away and then I do the interview. But okay, you know, whatever. So and then they merge the two Zooms together and then we do this amazing interview. So they get alerted that the one team helping the guest, there was some type of issue, and the guest's husband spoke to the team member in a disrespectful way. And they heard that, and they said, we're out. We're not doing the interview. You do not, especially a man, speak to our young team girl like that. So very good. You know, that's great. That's nice. And then they said, when we talked to the guest, she said, oh, is this because the team member, I'm just going to call her Amy. Okay. I don't know what her name was. Is this because Amy's feelings were hurt? And then that also really pissed them off because they thought that was like a rude way instead of being like, wait, I'm sorry. Did we speak? You know, I'm sorry that we got frustrated. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't mean for my husband or I to like speak poorly or whatever. It's just been a long day. I probably, it wasn't anything like, it was like, oh. And then she said, um, well, it was fine when I did this very popular male comedian's um, podcast. I did that and it worked out fine or something. So I don't know what's going on. They're like, it's fine. We're just, we're not, we're not going to fuck with you, basically. We're not fucking with you. We don't need you on our show. We're super rich. We're super popular. We live in Manhattan Beach. We're two happy lesbians with my sister and we don't need to do this. And it was good because it made for a really juicy podcast, probably much juicier than whoever this woman was who was pushing her podcast or her book or her, you know, Women's Empowerment Weekend. The thing is, nobody knows who the person was. So the Reddit starts going and people are trying to guess who it is with the clues. And and they're thinking it's Harry and Megan um, because they don't follow them. And they used to be big fans of Harry and Megan. And now they're not. I don't think so. I don't think that Harry, that Megan would use the words. Well, for one thing, I think I think there's no way Harry was helping Megan with a Zoom. No way. He doesn't know how to do it. He doesn't need to do it. She's got someone else to help her there. Secondly, I don't think they would have they would get frustrated with technology even if it was them. Thirdly, I don't think she would say, "Oh, did she have her feelings hurt?" To me, that sounds like someone that is definitely over 50 that would say that about a younger person that they were spoke harsh to like oh god these these gen zers get a fucking backbone like it doesn't seem like someone who's like 35 or 40 would say that like someone has to be a little bit older to say that so i don't think it's them other people think that it's uh, kelly ripper and ripa and her husband i don't think it's them because i don't think kelly ripa would brag about being on some other guy's podcast i think the person that would do this is someone who is kind of new to doing podcasts and new to doing Zooms in which she was like, um, you know, I've been on some other great podcasts and they don't get frustrated with with us like not knowing how to do this. Um, 
And then the husband, like, you know, barking at him. I thought that was really interesting. And so anyway, it's exactly what I said on my Extra Juicy Scoop Friday is that podcasts really are just people talking about each other behind their back, and then you guys get to listen. So so we don't know. Um, I try. I, I went down another path that I will share on my Extra Juicy Friday stuff um, of who I think it might be. I'm just glad to say it was not me and it was not, but I was glad we heard it because I'll be honest, I, I lose my, I get frustrated sometimes, especially with technology and, and so does Peter and I'm putting it out there now because if it ever happens <laughs> and you hear that we are not hundred percent pleasant delights, 100% of the time. And what I'm guessing in whoever these people are is they're doing this zoom and with all these different teams and all these technical things, which I don't know why that took why it's such an ordeal to do this. Maybe there was a filter or something that this older woman wanted that wasn't, so she wasn't looking as cute and she was asking her husband's help. Maybe on their end, there was it was their fault and already it's now 12.15. It was supposed to start at 12. The woman has another thing at one. Can we even do this? And so there might've been a little shortness and frustration but I think it's classy that they didn't tell us, though, if I I would like to know, okay? So if anybody knows for sure, can you please DM me and I'll take it to the grave? Um, because, yeah, I'm just like very, I'm just curious about it. But I'm like, well, I'm glad we listened to it because I've gotten frustrated. I've been like, oh, my God, why did I even agree to do this thing? It's so late now. This is annoying. And that is why I rarely do Zooms because... I like the person in person. I like to really get to know them. If they're running late, it's never a problem unless it's like a half hour. And even then, I've had two people that were like a half hour late. And I've told you about them on my Extra Juicy Scoop episodes. And it did piss me off. And at one point, I was like, Annie, I'm kind of in such a bad mood now. I feel really disrespected that they're this late. I don't even want to do it. But then the other part of me was like, your day's not ruined because of it. And, you know, but I get how when it's just a Zoom and you've got two other people to talk to that are all on mics, you're like, fuck, the, fuck these assholes. We're just going to do our own show. Fuck it. But I've my mind is like, they drove here. They got cute. All right. Shake it off. Like, do it. It's fine. But it's, I mean, it's hard just to always be like 100% pleasant. And, um, so if you know, please let me know because I'm dying to know. And um, I love things where they don't say the name and we have to figure it out. I mean, way more interesting than a blind item, you know, or a, anything like that. Like just I, I, I so get ready for more shit like this happening on podcasts, which I totally think will. Um, Chris Evans, you guys. Talked about it with Brandy and Julie that he was single. He's the sexiest man alive. Well, this chick was listening to Juicy Scoop and she's like, hey, motherfuckers, I'm the girlfriend. And had her mom do a press release and get it out. He's been dating this girl, Alba Batista, and it's serious, okay? And he's never been happier, okay? That's the headline. So my friend, Krista, better not cross the street. Chris Evans has a new love in his life. He's been dating this Portuguese actress, Alba, for over a year, and it's serious. 
They are in love, and Chris has never been happier. Okay. Well, that's not what he said in the People article. God damn it. Good for them. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Heather, Heather and Whitney talked that they want to be bad weather again, but at one point they just could not come to a conclusion of the meeting of the minds of why they're not getting along. And I saw someone go, can someone just explain why they're not getting along? This is what happened. Whitney was talking about a rumor in which Lisa Barlow was given blowjobs to get jazz tickets. And she brings it up to Lisa on camera to say, just so you know, we talked about this on camera and I want you to know it. And we talked and and we talked about it at actually at a jazz game. And she gets upset, obviously. And she's like, and Heather was there. And Heather says, I remember being at the jazz game, but I never remember you guys talking about Lisa Barlow giving blowjobs. And if I did, I wouldn't want to participate in that conversation on air and give it any like any other thoughts. Like I don't, this is awful. So it's again, housewives talking about rumors. So, so you have that on Potomac. There was some juice that happened last night. So anyway, they don't get along. They don't agree that they, whatever about this dumb rumor. The other, the other storyline on Potomac is Candace has a husband named Chris and Giselle said, Chris came into my room to talk during the reunion and it made me uncomfortable. And so nothing happened, but it made me uncomfortable that I was alone in a room with a closed door with Chris. Then the other girl, Ashley, who is married and now divorcing this old Australian that has been, um, that was caught with a stripper last year, but also there was rumors that he um, was with a guy in London and that also he grabbed a male um, cameraman's ass. So he, he could be a little bi. She says she's bi. She says she does threesomes with her, son, with her husband, Michael, but doesn't want to anymore. So they're getting a divorce. That's important to the story. Ashley says, I was at the W. I went to some hotel, rooftop hotel, and your husband, Chris, DM'd me and said, you should have come to my bar. That or whatever the restaurant he runs. And she thought that was a fishing for flirting on a DM. Candace is like, my husband did that because he's trying to work social media and get high profile people at his restaurant. And he was like, Ashley, you should have come here so we could take a photo and people would know that the Real Housewives of Potomac come to my restaurant, not this one that you were at. Okay, they're like, all right. So Candace is really pissed. So then she says, um, well, I know the guy who claims has your husband as a client who who has your husband come over and suck his D. So she said that last night. And then they're all, and then Karen, who's a grand dom, is like, well, thank you for inviting us to this wine luncheon. And then they all get up and leave. And it's like, I don't even think Ashley cares because she's like, there's been rumors that my husband is bi and everything. There's, I already told you I'm bi. We obviously mess around and swing and whatever the fuck. So it wasn't even that shocking. Like, But she's like, hey, I've got the scoop. 
I know the sex worker who apparently has your husband as a client. And I'm just like, wow, these shows are just going. I mean, so much about these shows are about people's husbands and marriages. And that's why it'll be, it's kind of interesting when nobody has a spouse. And if we see the legacy, um, oh, geez, none of those women, but uh, Jill Zarin is the only one that has like a boyfriend who's Gary. The rest of them are all single. And so I hope, I, I want them to be able to have enough juice and fun that they don't have to like trash each other's relationships and ruin relationships with the father of their kids and stuff to make TV. I don't think it should be that, but that's what it is. So there you go, people. Leonardo DiCaprio celebrated his 48th birthday, but his girlfriend Gigi Hadid was not there. I don't know why. Maybe she was working. Maybe she was with her baby. Um, the people that were there, some of the people that were there were A-listers like Toby McGuire, Bradley Cooper, Kate Hudson, Rami Malik, Ashton Kutcher, Mick Jagger, Jamie Foxx, and LeBron James. Also, Adrian Brody, Casey Affleck, and his girlfriend, Kaylee Cowan. Interesting. Stella Maxwell, Nikki Hilton, Rebel Wilson, and her fiance, Ramona. Not the Ramona, but Ramona Agruma. Evan Ross, Diana Ross's uh, son. Somner Ray. Wait, Summer Ray. Sorry, Summer Ray. <laughs> I was thinking, was that Somner girl from... Um, yeah, I don't know who Summer Ray is and some agent, Rich Paul. Anyway, there you go, you guys. And his parents were there. That's nice. And that's it. I don't know where Gigi Hadid was. Maybe it's over. Maybe it's not. We'll see. Um, now, you guys, I have a great interview with one of the stars of the hot new show on Netflix, Buying Beverly Hills. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Juicy Scoop. I have the second most exciting Brandon in my life. It's Brandon Graves from the hit show Buying Beverly Hills on Netflix, all about the agency and Kyle's family, Kyle Richards' family, Mauricio, uh, Farah, Alexia, and Brandon. Yes. <laughs> and welcome to Juicy Scoop. This Thank is you. exciting. I'm so excited to be here. I am a Juicy Scooper since day one. I'm not just saying that because I'm here. I totally am. I am so excited to be here, honestly. Well, first of all, as a realtor and a Juicy Scooper, I want to give you double props because you were aggressive. You cold called Juicy Scoop and said, I'm a huge Juicy Scooper. Can I come on the show? And I'm, we were like, yes, Perfect. this is great. You, you make our life really easy when um, I don't have to beg and <laughs> not be answered back and all of that. You got to go after it. You got to go after you what you go want. After yeah. this. So the show is Buying Beverly Hills. There's eight episodes. And here's all of you guys at a party, um, a premiere party. Yes, that was and last week. Yes. And so I'm liking it. Now, okay. there have been a lot of shows about real estate, L.A. real estate. And you know one thing that I really like about watching it? It makes me fall in love with L.A. again. And it makes me feel grateful for being from Los Angeles and living in Los Angeles. Why is that? I Just seeing that so many people want it and mm -hmm. that the world thinks it's cool. Mm -hmm. And like I think sometimes when you're here and we've gone through some tough years in the city that you're like, Ugh. same thing when I was watching um, the, what's the Empire one? 
the Netflix show, what's that called? Bling Empire? Bling Empire. Yeah. When I watched Bling Empire, and it was like filmed before the pandemic, and then it came out, and it made me go, oh my God, no, our city is beautiful when you're on the top of like a $12 million house. <laughs> Mulholland, yeah. Yeah, it really, really is stunning. Yeah. And um, so, no, I, I do like it, it for that. It's like the same way I feel when I watch like Love is Blind, and I'm like, I should be more grateful to be married. <laughs> Everybody wants to be married. Like, I, why am yeah. I, like, completely? L.A. is still a magical place. I've been here for 12 years. I love it. I love Where I, did you grow up? I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, originally. Oh, okay. So, so we're yeah. going to get into real estate life. Yeah. But what was interesting when we got to know you on the show is that you have this whole other life before real estate. Mm -hmm. And you were a dancer? Yeah. I moved here in 2010 to pursue um, professional dance. So I did that for about nine years. And then I once that fizzled out, I turned like 32. And I'm like, okay, what's the next chapter going to be? But wait, I want to hear yeah. about that chapter. Yeah, yeah. So what, like, did you dance as a kid or did you take formal training? Well, I grew up, um, I was kind of like a self-taught dancer. I started doing um, classes and things through like a program in the city of Phoenix, which, which were designed to keep children off the street. Yeah. So I kind of honed my skills there, and then I started teaching. I, was, I used to teach a program called Dance Phoenix every Saturday at like 10 a.m. with kids. I would, after like being out partying, I would teach in sunglasses because I was like... <laughs> I was, I was hungover, but I showed up. I, yeah. was, I was there. So I taught dance for years. And then after I started dancing for the NBA and started like making you know, the big cuts, started beating out people, I said, well, what can I do next? How can I take this to the next level? So that's so when I came here in 2010. And so, and what, how was that? Like, did you ever go on tour? What was like those years like? trying to make it in L.A. in entertainment? I mean, it was tough, but it was fun. I didn't do the big tours. I didn't do any of that. I, I booked some jobs. They were like small things. You know how it goes yeah, yeah, in the yeah. industry. You're just happy to get something. But I, I think I've auditioned for everybody several times over. Right. Gotten pretty far, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I mean, at one point I was living in a house with 15 people. I did the whole struggle L.A. experience. Don't want to do it again, but I did it. And I'm kind of happy that I did it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, what's the second hardest industry that I can also try to be in? Okay, let's go to let's do yeah. real estate because there's just as many people trying to make it in real exactly. estate as there is probably in dance. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to pursue that? I've always had a passion for real estate. I remember when I would go to the supermarket with my mom and they would have those free real estate magazines on the way out. Yeah. I would grab a stack of those. She didn't give a shit because they were free. So yeah. I, I would take a stack of those. I would go home and kind of envision and circle like the house that I would dream of buying and selling. So it was it was always in me. It was just a matter of time. Did you I, imagine yourself on a bus bench? I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't did that yet, but I definitely want to. i got to find the right corner. <laughs> um, so, you know, I... Come from, do you know? I've come I from do. a real estate background. Uh -huh. And, you know, once again, Mauricio, Kyle, they're not the first to have a family business because here uh -oh. I am <laughs> with my parents. We were Bob, Pam, and Heather McDonald, White House Properties, and they had a personalized license I plate. I love the license plate. Bob and Pam, okay. <laughs> and I have to say, though, we realized later on when we would like uh, pitch a listing, we'd be parked in front of the house. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, wait a minute. And then someone would, I think other realtors that were maybe door or would go, oh, my God, that house is, they're obviously seeing. Poaching, yeah. Yeah, they're obviously seeing them. Mm -hmm. So then let's go reach out to them. So you never know where you might mm -hmm. get the lead, right? Yeah, watch your back for sure. So, um, all right. So, so you take the test. And then how does, like, how long were you doing real estate before you got to the agency? And then they said, you know what? We're interviewing people to possibly 
be also featured on this reality show? Okay, How so did that all come about? Okay, so I'll break it down for you. I tried to yeah. make it too long. No, can okay, tell. So I guess I used to live in Wilton Hills for eight years. Yes. Um, right before the pandemic, I was working at HealthNet, which is right here on Canoga. Health? HealthNet. Oh, health, okay. health insurance company. Oh, okay. You've probably driven past it a million times. Oh, so you, so you were already doing a regular job. Yeah. I was, okay, you were but, being professional. Yeah, yes. when, when I was dancing, I was also working a regular job, too. I had to pay the bills. Yeah. So I was, When I was, I was doing stand-up, I was doing real estate. Yeah, yeah. you got to do what it takes, you know. Mm-hmm. You got to pay the bills. So I was doing that up until the pandemic hit. Um, I was working at HealthNet right around the corner. Pandemic hits, I kind of reevaluated my life. I'm like, okay, I've been away from my family for about... 13 years, wait, 10 years now, not much is happening. Maybe this is a sign to go home. So um, my lease happened to be up at the time on my apartment. So I put all my stuff in storage and I went home just to be with my family like during the pandemic. For some reason, I left my belongings here because something told me to come back, that I was coming back. Well, also, how long did the pandemic really last in Phoenix? Like a month? Yeah, they they kind of... (laughs) They definitely did their own thing. I remember when I got back, I'm like, where are the masks? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it was, nobody wore masks. But that's a whole other thing. That, okay. that scared the shit out of me when, uh-huh. I, when I got there. Yeah. So um, along the way, while I was working, I was like planting seeds, trying to get into real estate on the high end side. I already had my license. But, oh, you did? Yeah. So you got your license while you, you were doing your other job. Right. Which is very smart to do. I yeah. tell everybody that. Which is great because you can keep that regular job, mm-hmm. take the classes at night. Whether I mean, you probably had to take them online, but yeah. I I always feel like it's easier if you can yeah. do it in person. But yeah. whatever. I was taking the classes in the evening in person, uh-huh. which is best for me because yeah. I can't pay attention if I'm just like online sitting at home right. fucking doing laundry and all that shit. So yeah, I, I was um, what was that thing? So I about was, you're taking that. So now you're in Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. So I had got a an email about a job that I'd applied for as an assistant, which is for Kevin. So Kevin is actually Sonica's boyfriend on the show. Oh, okay, yeah, young so I, guy. Yeah. Wait, is he featured? I, I don't no, think he's, he's in no, the photo. No, he's not. He's kind of like a secondary. Yeah. He's, he's like a friend of. Yeah, he's, he's like. <laughs> so you're working there, mm-hmm. and then when do you hear the, hear the rumblings of this show it might be happening? After a year, I heard there was an email that came out about this show. I guess they had tried to do it several years before. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. With Mauricio? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's Yeah, because about I that. was like. I was thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, there was always Million Dollar Listing, mm-hmm. which is on Bravo, and that's, and I know Josh Flagg, Josh Altman, mm-hmm. and Tracy, and David they, and James are with the agency, too. They what? David and James are with the agency, too. <coughs> they, were, oh. they were on Million Dollar Listing, yeah. But now they're not coming back to Million Dollar that's Listing. That's what I heard, yeah. So there's always been that, and then, of course, the Selling Sunset, mm-hmm. which was a whole nother animal, and then OC Sunset. And so when this came out, I'm like... Yeah, at a certain point, they must have been like, why aren't we doing this? And I always wondered if maybe because Kyle was on Beverly Hills and it was too much Mm. or – so, but I guess you said they tried to do it before. So yeah, that's maybe. what I heard. That it was like they tried to do it maybe like six years ago, and it didn't work out for whatever okay. reason. So um, when it came to me, the email came. Like I said, I was working for Kevin as his assistant. I didn't think it was the right time for me, so I just kind of put my head down and just kept doing my thing. But I ended up getting a call from Jane, who's Mauricio's assistant, and I used to be in the office with her late at night. Um, just like we were the last people there. It was pandemic. Nobody was in the office, and she says, "Hey, we're doing this show. I think you'd be great." I'm like, "Oh." Okay. Why were you scared? I mean, I've never. No, but you were a performer, though. So yeah, I, I would think talk. that would almost be perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have to talk. It was just like, I'm just back here doing my thing. I didn't have to come to the forefront and be on camera. Okay. I, I thought I would be okay, but I didn't think it was necessarily my thing. Yeah. So I had the one call with the casting, and psh, here we are. It just went so fast. I'm like, shit. And like, so, okay, so they get on it, and they're like, okay. And now I saw like some pumpkins and stuff. So was 
was what we're seeing filmed about a year ago? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, that makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it all aligns. Yeah. So it's been a whole year now. Mm-hmm. And, like, how has your life changed? Have you gotten recognized at all? It's only been a weekend. It's only been a week, but I was in West Hollywood on Sunday, and the gays have seen the show. <laughs> oh, the gays are loving okay. it. The, the gays are loving it. I'm like, okay, we're, we're good. So I have a stamp of approval. So I'm going to assume you are gay. No, I have a wife and kids. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Um, yes, I am gay, proudly, yes. And when did you uh, start living your life proudly and out? Always? Been or 20 a... years now, yeah. Oh, okay. I, was, I was just laying down the other day. I'm like, damn, it's been 20 years. So as a teenager? Yeah, 18. Okay. Yeah. And your family was great about it? I mean, it's they're fine about it now. It's always a point of contention and education. I mean, okay. everybody has their own beliefs, but I know that they, that they love me. Yeah. Yeah, and I just kind of live my life and fuck it. Okay. Yeah. So what, okay, so I wrote Kyle, I DM'd Kyle, mm-hmm. she's been on the show and we're friendly and um, I was like, okay, everyone including myself is freaking out because Alexia, the younger daughter, acts and sounds and speaks exactly like you. Mm-hmm. W- way more than Farah. How did that happen? And, and I go, I'm just curious because... My, with my older son, people, one time my, I posted a, set, a photo of myself when I was 12 being a cheerleader, and mm-hmm. my son was 12 at the time, and I posted it. And my sorority sisters and friends were like, oh, my God, I thought it was Drake, my older son, in drag. Like, <laughs> And so I think sometimes you don't see it as the parent, mm-hmm. and especially having it be the opposite sex. I remember when my son's mustache started to come in, and then I would be like, oh, shit. And I'm like, oh, it's not me. I yeah. thought I was like almost looking at a mirror, oh my freaking gosh. out. It's yeah. very freaky when the opposite sex mm-hmm. looks just like you. But I, I think she, Alexa even has like a, she says like, be honest on the show. I'm like, oh my God, you sound like your mom. Yes, she so like, I, she's not being honest with I'm me. I'm like, do you notice it? And she goes, um, yes, people, you know, she said, but for a long time, everyone said that the girls all look like my husband mm-hmm. and acted like my husband. So this has been kind of fun that <laughs> people see the similarities. I'm like, the scratchy voice. The hands, the whole, I mean, it makes The mannerisms, it really all of it, yeah. When yeah. I first met her, I'm like, oh my God, you are your mother. This yeah. is weird, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are like, why aren't we seeing Kyle? And I don't know, and it's not, you know, I don't know if it's contractual or if it was a conscious thing where she was like, let's not have me pull focus from this show. Mm-hmm. But um, I really like it. I don't think, you know, I do kind of miss her because yeah. I'm like. She's cutting it on Bravo. I think it's good for the girls to get their chance to shine yes. and, t- and tell their stories. Right, and yeah. We just came off a big season of Beverly Hills. I know you watched too. Right, so, yeah. yeah, I think I think Kyle's I probably think relieved. Was, yeah. And I think it was kind of a smart way to do it just so that there wouldn't be stuff written about like her and her involvement and like, let's just see if this can get its own footing. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really great. And, um, but I mean, I when I I'll be honest. When I first heard buying Beverly, I'm like oh, another I know, show. I, I, I saw another <laughs> show, and then my friend who got to see the previews uh-huh. said, "No, Heather, it's really good because we get to see them in their homes, and it's you know." But what my friend who's not a realtor didn't say, and I said this to Kyle, this is the most realistic real estate mm-hmm. show for many reasons. Um, First of all, the dad and Alexia and, you know, that they are more of a champion of Alexia 
than Farah. Mm-hmm. That that is a sibling dynamic that's extremely interesting because Farah always had really good grades, went to USC, and has been doing this for like seven yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And she kills it. she's a different person than Alexia. Alexia. And then Alexia is like, I didn't always get the greatest grades. You know, the younger ones, I guess, are really naturally kind of mm-hmm. more scholastic. And so when that happens as, as a parent of multiple kids, you do, you do what each child needs. And it's not always completely equal, <laughs> you know? And so I think that is so interesting to yeah. see. Um, and then I, I love that there's an honesty about the privilege of people walking into real estate. Because I'll be honest, I never had to knock on doors. My parents were doing it. A little since nepotism. I was, yeah, I, yeah, my yeah. parents were doing it till I was seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since I was seven, and then the day I got my license, or right after, my mom calls me and she goes, um, "You got to go down to Target right now. Go down to Target right now." And I go, "Why?" And she's like, "Just go down to Target and get me this and come." And I go, "All right." <laughs> so I go to Target. I come down, and as I'm crossing Ventura, which is right here, mm-hmm. they had gotten me my bus bench. <laughs> <laughs> on on the corner, the yes, photo. They okay, me the bus bench. Yeah. That was like my present. You arrived. That was my present. <laughs> Heather McDonald welcomes you to Woodland Hills. Do you still have like, have a picture of it or anything? Oh yeah, it's somewhere. Okay. But yes, definitely. And I was a little bit like, okay, but like you guys know, I'm just doing this <laughs> until I become a huge sitcom star. Like you know, like and um, but yes, of course, they had established themselves, so mm-hmm. we would just go out on listing appointments, not get them all. But I don't think people realize how hard it is just to get someone to say, I even want to meet wanna, with you exactly. to possibly represent me. It's yeah. so hard. Like you're starting from grass, from ground zero. You have to build all your clientele. Even though I've been here for 10 years, I don't know anybody who can afford the kind of houses that we sell. I have to, I mean, I've found ways to meet people, but you definitely have to do it all on your own. I wish it was being served to me on a platter, but that's just not what it is. And, and I kind of appreciate yeah. that, you know, like... Obviously, it works out with Alexia, but then the other guy. What's this other young guy? Who's Joey. Banned? Yeah, Joey. So for you guys, Joey is, is this charming guy, born and raised in Brentwood, Beverly Brentwood, Hills. Brentwood, yes. And he's like, I hope I can get this listing of my aunt. Aunt's house in the flat's going to be sold for $7 million. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how? Like, where's my aunt? And then it's like, wow, this is so stressful yeah. because... I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. And <laughs> I'm like, you have 27 offers. If one fails, you have 26, 26 others. More. Like, of all the low, high risk, <laughs> this was not a, a difficult situation. Yeah. It's a teardown. It's your aunt. Yeah. And you had 27 offers. Serve it. I don't, it's ready to go. Yeah. I don't think it was a stressful situation, but I loved that the other guy that didn't come from a real estate background, this one, the one in the flower jacket. Oh, Ben. Ben, ben Balak, yeah. He kind of call, calls it, calls mm-hmm. them out on it. And um, so I, I love that there's all that. And then we have you. And you go and eat with the younger guy. Joey, the yes. aunt, Who seems very nice. Yeah. And you're like, I did door knock. But if I door knock, I have to be like in a suit and all this other stuff. Yeah. Because they're like, who's coming to my door, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I thought, 
I love that you brought that up too because that is so true. Yeah, it's a, it's a legit fear of mine. I've only door, done door knocking once because of those reasons and everything happening in the world. Like I don't know how people are going to perceive me. I have, yeah. to be, I have to be conscious of having a woman with me just to just to balance out the equation to make people less nervous. That's so legit fear Do of people mine. People think you're Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> It, yeah. depends, it depends on how dressed up I am. Like if I'm dressed okay. up, yes, that's why I make sure that I may have maybe like a polo or something. Yes. Yeah, to keep it casual. I think it's a lot more inviting that way. But right. yeah. But I, I um you know, yeah, versus like, you know, two girls mm-hmm. in, you know, high heels and tiny outfits. Yeah. That's a, that's one look. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, and I um but I think I think it's it's great. I think it's great that you brought that up because that is hard and it is such a way to to get business, especially when you're starting, mm-hmm. because there are people that are like, I, you know, yeah, I love the person <laughs> that I see that I, that comes by and oh, I know that brand, and now he's come by five times in the last mm-hmm. six months. He's and nice. He's maybe, charismatic. He know yeah. he knows his stuff. I, I want to do business with him. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I, but I like that that was like made aware because I don't think you know when you, people think about that aspect of you have this crutch ahead of you versus someone that's not a man of color, mm-hmm. you know? And so I thought that was really great. I appreciate it. Got to keep it 100. I said, yeah. if I'm going to do this, I have to keep it authentic. This is yeah. my story. This is what I deal with every day. Right. And yeah. it's not boo-hoo. It's just yeah. like... It's the reality. Yeah. I've, I I got to find these clients probably another way mm-hmm. besides knocking on the door. Right. I got to like go to the parties, be, hold the open houses where mm-hmm. the people walk in. When they come to me, and yeah. And follow up. A million times. Exactly. Be rejected. <laughs> oh, the other thing that one guy said that was your former, um, that you were the assistant for, and he goes, I have a five-minute funeral. And I've never heard that. Yeah, we use and that term like, a lot. I think that is really good where you get the rejection. I mean. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. You got to go on to the next thing. Otherwise, it'll ruin your day. It'll ruin your week. You just have to let it die in five minutes and on to the next. <laughs> okay, so, so some of the stuff, the juicy stuff that happened was we already know in real life like that Farah does get engaged. Yes. So that's nice. To Alex. We love Alex. Oh, and then this girl, everyone's talking about this girl in the orange. Allie. So she used to be on the hills. That's what Laguna. I'm hearing. I've been seeing that on Twitter. I'm like, Allie was on the hills. I need to, I need to call her and ask her. I haven't seen the episode. Yeah, so I, I thought know. that was kind of funny because um I'm like, well, you know, that does work out. Like, mm-hmm. I mean if I was trying out for the thing and I was in the real estate office then I'd be like, by the way, guys Mm-hmm. I know how to be on a reality show. Yeah. Like, this is all good. Allie's also been in the industry for years, too, so she didn't just come out of nowhere. She's been killing it for a while, too. She primarily works on the West Side, though. Have they already talked about a next season? Can you say that? Not yet. We haven't heard anything just yet. So hopefully they have us back for more. I think the reception's been pretty good, which we're yeah. very happy about. You never know. It was it's, trending yesterday. Yeah, we're number five right now in the U.S., which is great. We've yes. only been out since Friday, so that's awesome. I hope it keeps coming up. Okay, so now tell everybody where they can find you to, if they are looking for a home. Like, where? what would you say you specialize in as far as, like, I know you're going to say everything, but, like, is there a, more of a specific thing that you feel like you really kill it I, I, at? I think the bulk of my clientele is first-time home buyers. Mm-hmm. I'm really good with walking them through the process, and it's not that hard, it's, and it's not that complex. Scary. Yeah. yeah. And I think I have a way of making it fun and kind of, like, Making it relatable and mm-hmm. it's, it's making it a fun process. So I'm really good with first-time home buyers, but I specialize in a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I love Thank that. You. And what's your Instagram and everything? My Instagram is Brandon Graves underscore, and so is my Twitter. And be nice if you come over there, shit. And you can do <laughs> any part of the Valley, LA. Yes, that's also a great thing. Mm-hmm. That back in the day, you really kind of would have to like 
farm this one area, but now with computers, you can find anything. Yeah, you can and do so, targeted marketing. You can be anywhere. I don't do a ton of deals in OC yet, but I'm starting mm-hmm. to get down there a little bit too. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, thank you, Brandon. Thank You're you. the best. Thank you. You can read my brochure. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how long ago was this? Oh, that was before I was married. That was like 25 years this is ago. Amazing. I know. And I had like a little short skirt on and like being pimped out. <laughs> this is so sweet. I love it so much. Thank you. Thank you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain, it's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.